Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Good evening, Mr. Reed. Hey, RSM, how are you? I am great. Thank you. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. I'm so excited. Boom, baby. Ah. I can't hide it. That was like the bottom of Ben Gardner's boat. Last poor York. I knew him, Horatio. A fellow of infinite jest. So because we are doing sort of a tie-in to Halloween, uh, I thought I'd bring a few props along. I don't, I don't know what that means, but anyway, I brought a few props along to play around with throughout the night. So anyway, happy Halloween to you, RFM. Oh my gosh. That's why I'm so excited. I just got back from an, a walk on a beautiful, beautiful October afternoon in the Pacific Northwest and the leaves are turning and they're falling and it is absolutely exhilarating. Mm, I love this time of year, especially in Southern Utah. It gets a lot cooler here. Yes, I, I've heard that. Well, it gets cooler everywhere. <laughs> okay, everybody wants to know what's in the glass. What's in the tumbler, Mr. This Real? is a, uh, I'm trying to think what juice it is. I don't think it's watermelon. It might be he's watermelon. He's trying to come up with an excuse. <laughs> no, no, no. There's, there's no alcohol in here. I've I never say there was. I've never drank alcohol or been inebriated in any way except for one show, which you both knew was going to happen. And uh, I don't know if that was a good idea that night or not, but yeah. Um, but you otherwise, I've been sober for every show. You didn't know you were going to go for three grams, though. Yeah, it was. I was. Uh, I had blasted off and yes. uh, was visiting another planet. But no, we're one toke over the line. Sweet Jesus, <laughs> just one. <laughs> we can have uh, people in the chat uh, guess. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, no. Mavis. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> we're both trying to. Ch- yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm just curious now if the chat has guesses, if they uh, know which episode. I could barely tell, even though I knew. I was actually wondering uh, if it happened um, at all or not. So, uh, yeah. Tell us in the chat if you, was, you know which show it was. It was. The Bra- yeah, the Ben Brown episode where we interviewed him and he oh, was well, sort of off the rails <laughs> in his comedy. And uh, and anyway, I thought things would be a little funnier if I had uh, partaken. Okay. All right. Well, enough for true confessions. Don't go anywhere, Maven, because everybody's noticed that I went to all this trouble to bring the special T-shirt because it's a Halloween episode to wear on tonight's show. And I ended up finding the same T-shirt that you're wearing. It's totally coincidence, isn't it? My only question is, here's what's on the front of mine. I thought it would be a little bit spooky if you had Captain America turning into a werewolf. Oh, but it's Marvel. Oh, my gosh. This is an incredible coincidence. It is I think quite it's too much of a coincidence to just be coincidence. <laughs> there must be some kind of divine intervention going on. I guess why why is Bill left out? That's my question. Yeah, he did not I'm get just, the memo. Just wearing a nice button down shirt. So <laughs> the Holy Ghost has lost Bill's forwarding address. Mm, that might be it. Yes. I did have to specifically give my forwarding address in order to get this. So I, I that tracks. <laughs> yeah, so I oh, so anyway, uh, I what I want to say and to try and keep the ball rolling is that uh, tonight we're calling this Coast to Coast in honor, of course, of the great late Art Bell. And I expect that most, hopefully, most people in the audience know who Art Bell is and was and have had a chance to listen to his incredible radio show that used to broadcast. Oh, across the country and across the world eventually in all the different time zones. And 
that was the original long format. The idea was that he would have guests on a show. It was all about paranormal, whatever kind of paranormal that was welcome. And he'd have guests on the show. And sometimes he'd have callers call in. And I didn't listen to a ton of it, but I listened to some of it and I found it quite enjoyable. My take on Art Bell was that he was, first off, he had a wonderful voice. He was a wonderful broadcaster. And he seemed to have a very warm spirit as he talked on the microphone. And there was never any time when I heard him give a hint of incredulity at the stories that were being told him by guests or callers in, regardless of how bizarre and entirely unlikely those stories were or how badly they were presented. (laughs) Never, never, ever any kind of pushback. And I think that's one of the things that made him so popular amongst that broadband of the audience. Um, So... It's coast to coast, and I remember he would start out his show with words along the lines, from the high desert and the great American Southwest, this is Coast to Coast with Bill Reel and Radio Free Mormon. I uh, I watched, I listened to this quite a bit. Um, I don't know, there must have been a time in my life, I know I worked early mornings uh, and late at night for a time in my life, and there's also times where I've been out like driving to like drive to a vacation or something and you're driving through the night and there is very little on the radio other than maybe some music to keep you awake. And Coast to Coast was one of these programs that lasted hours and hours and it was entertaining and interesting enough that it was the thing to stay awake to if you were up at night. Um, and I really enjoyed the show and I know that, uh, you know, you can certainly throw it out there, but I will have, uh, both the call-in studio rocking and rolling and Maeve and I stuck the invite URL, <clears throat> excuse me, the invite URL in the private chat. So you can put that into the comments as well. And I'll let you kind of set up what you're thinking RFM, but those are both available. That's fantastic. And every Halloween, Art Bell would have a special program where he modified the phrase of coast to coast and called it ghost to ghost. Mm. And that was the open mic Anybody can call in with their ghost stories and Art Bell will listen to them very, very patiently and very believingly. It's like his motto was, we want to believe you. So I've got an order here. By the way, we get to go first because we are the bishopric in the sacrament meeting of unholiness. And we we get to go first, right? Because it's fast and testimony meeting. Um, I've got the order here which is going to be Bill's going to go first with his story. Then Maven has something special and horrendous to tell us. Then I'll go with my story. And then if there's any time left, which there will be a lot of time left, I think, please call in with your stories and we will listen patiently and as credulously as the great art bell. And uh, just to note, you can call the studio. I've got eight lines open. So you can call 662-667-6667. And Maven's going to, if she hasn't already, put into the uh, YouTube comments or the comments in the other places, the URL that's in, okay, sweet. That URL will allow you to come into the studio. If you have a decent microphone, a decent video uh, camera on either your phone uh, would work or a desktop or laptop, you can come into the studio and we can add you there where you can tell uh, your paranormal or ghost story. So going first, I don't know that my story is... A ghost story, but this is one of the strangest 
of all stories that has ever happened to me, and I've had a little bit of some crazy things happen where while serving as a bishop, being woken up in the middle of the night to pray for a family that really did need my prayers that I didn't know about, and they had a medical emergency at the moment I was praying. But the one I chose to tell is a sort of deja vu. This was maybe about five years into my marriage. Uh, My wife and I went to go see a movie called The Four Feathers with Heath Ledger. And we get to the theater, we sit down, we're watching the movie. And the plot of the movie is that Heath Ledger is a slave in some sort of like underground encampment. Hundreds, if not like, you know, 500, 600 years ago, whatever it was, it's it's olden time. And Heath is there. Uh, I don't remember what his character's name is, but there he goes through the rigmarole of being a slave. Uh, he, he fakes his own death. They carry the body out. He took some medicine to like slow down his heart and uh, they dispose of the body. And then he comes to, and then the rest of the movie is what goes on. I'm sitting in the theater, me and my wife, we're watching the movie soon as it starts. And you can ask her, she'll tell you that this is what happened. As soon as it starts, I am uh, telling her I've seen this before. Like we just went to the movie. It just come out. I definitely had not been to it. I don't go to any movies without my wife. Um, I'm there sitting there watching the movie and I'm like, babe, 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 I've dreamed this. And I remember distinctly when I was a younger person, maybe 14 years old, 16 years old, something like that. I had a dream where I was the one in this underground encampment and every part of the movie, as it was happening, I'm like, Amanda, what's going to happen next is they're going to push these pillars around this uh, central piece that moves. And that's how they, earn their keep every day is to keep this thing moving. I don't know what it did, but it, it functioned to serve some purpose. So there were a bunch of slaves, uh, what pushing like uh, a centerpiece around in circles because there were pieces sticking out and they would all be pushing against. And then he takes some, I'm like, baby, he's going to fake his death. And he takes a pill and he fakes his death and his heart stops, uh, or slows down significantly so that he appears to be dead. I'm like, they're going to carry him outside. They're going to dump his body. And every step of the movie, I am telling my wife what is going to happen next in this movie. And it happened. And we get maybe 45 minutes into the movie before I run out of the ability to tell her what's going to happen next. And it happens like six, seven, eight, nine times in these major moments in the movie. I'm like, babe, I've seen this before. I've, 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 I've done this. This is a dream I had. I remember this distinctly. And uh, I can't explain it. I don't believe in the hereafter anymore. I don't, I'm not a, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in uh, reincarnation. These things don't make sense to me, but I will say that this was always an experience. And I even went and looked it up. It is actually a, a made movie from like way long, 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 long time ago, black and white. I had never seen it. At least I don't think I had. You anticipated what I was Googling while you were talking. I saw you doing that, but I, I, it, it was made prior to being remade with Heath Ledger, but it's like this old ancient movie. I, I just, I'm not black and white movie guy either. So, um, I don't have an explanation for it. And to this day, there's two, three, four things in my life that have happened that I can't quite explain, but something happened in terms of me dreaming what was a movie that I would watch later on. And I, I don't know how to tell heads or tails of that, but for me, that is my paranormal experience. Mm. Wow. That is amazing. 
Well, I'm glad I went first. So hopefully you guys got stuff better than that. <laughs> well, I, I want to share this comment. And I and this is what kind of I was laughing about was that uh, oh. I think maybe the <laughs> the scariest thing about that is just is knowing that uh, Bill's going to ruin a movie for you. Uh, <laughs> and toilet the whole way through. <laughs> well, that's when you him. had to. <laughs> um, I'm usually pretty good at movies at not ruining the ending. I, my kids talk during the movie at the theater and I'm, Constantly on their case, like guys, everybody else is here too. They're trying to watch this. Be quiet, but but they <laughs> love to all talk the four <laughs> feathers yeah. until That's the four funny. feathers, and then I let loose. Maven, you're up to bat. Okay, um, I was trying to think if I had something to say beforehand, but I'll just go ahead and. Um, well, I guess I don't know. This is something I feel like I'm pretty easily spooked out by some things, but I. I still consider myself very skeptical, but when it comes to um, late night and I'm alone, especially in a building, uh, then my like I, I lose that a little bit. It's just a, and it's just to me, it's funny that I can have different levels of um, skepticism <laughs> depending on the circumstances around me. But I've uh, I I worked a lot as a night shift person, especially as a security guard. And there's been a few times where I've scared myself on my shifts and ghost stories are actually pretty common on shifts like that. Um, I've had at least two buildings that other people insisted and they weren't joking. They insisted were haunted and that there were certain places that they wouldn't go. Um, whereas for me, I just, I did my rounds. I did what I was supposed to do. Um, and the only times I really got spooked out was if I was listening to creepy podcasts, um, um, and then actually in one building, the, the tech department was really fun and they had a, like a cardboard cutout of Obama and they would put it in random places to scare other members of the tech team. But they got me a good couple of times, uh, when I would round a corner and not expect to see like a human figure there. Um, and then just to be abruptly, uh, you know, face to face <laughs> with Obama, it was just, I, I don't know, it got me a few times anyway. I don't really get scared much except for things like that. So the story I'm going to tell is actually one that I went over um, when I went on Mormon Book Reviews with Steve Pinecker. Um, and I, RFM wants me to read it. I really wanted him to read it. I'm going to be know, talking right after. I got to save my, the, my voice. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, if maybe if the chat insists, I just feel like you have such a great voice for it. But I'm going to go ahead and bring this up on the stage. So this is from the book. Actually, let me... Um, I'll just show the book here real quick. Actually, I don't know if that'll... The, the fate of the, of the persecutors. Yes, we can see that. Of, of the prophet Smith. Joseph Smith. Okay. So that's what this is from. I've edited it to make it just a little bit shorter so it's it, we don't take too long. Um, hey, Maven. So anyway, so, Maven? Yeah. Before you start, I apologize. Okay. I've just willed Bill back into his seat. Okay. Okay. Perfect. He was getting away for a second. <laughs> now, maybe do you have a source for this? Do you know where this comes from? So, or who's writing um, this? Yeah, so the the it's a compiler as NB Lundwall. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant I this know. actual statement, just the this statement. This particular statement yeah. um is supposedly I mean they have the affidavits at the uh, bottom of it. So, uh this is from a William H H Chapel being duly sworn, deposes and says that the foregoing statement is a true recital of events as they occurred and happened according to his knowledge, to which other living witnesses can also testify. In witness thereof, he has set his hand and signature this 28th day of September, 1948. 1948. So it's a statement. Yeah, that's when this was uh, 
That was just right. like it's four years bit. after Joseph Smith got killed. Oh, right. Wait. Just a little bit, Plus a little 100. bit late. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, quite a few um, testimonies <laughs> from this are a little bit dubious. Um, and I, wow. I guess we'll we'll see why. So, it's kind of far removed, um, but I'll bet it's an exciting story. Yeah. So just, a, I guess, a quick trigger warning or content warning. There's a little bit of uh, body horror kind of stuff mm. in this. So That's what we're all, all right, here for I'll bring tonight. it back up. Yep. All right, so this is the story of quote-unquote old man Brooks. We don't have a first name. About the year 1892, when I was 18 years of age, an old man by the name of Brooks moved into the neighborhood. And this is in Summit County, um, by the way. Uh, the old man used to come to my father's home, sit on the porch, and talk to my father. The conversation turned to pioneer stories and of Joseph Smith, the prophet. On one particular evening, after my father had talked about Joseph Smith, the old man Brooks said, Mr. Chapel, I saw the last bullet shot into the old boy. After Mr. Brooks had gone home to his cabin, my father said, no wonder he is a miserable old soul. If he saw the last bullet shot into Joseph Smith, he was in that mob. If he was in that mob, it has been prophesied that he will suffer all kinds of torment. His limbs shall rot off his body and he will not have courage to take his own life. Dun, dun, dun. After this conversation, I took particular notice of the old man and how he suffered. The old man had a belt which he wore. Oh, I meant to edit this one out. Sorry. The old man had a belt which he wore around his waist to which the son would take off and then beat the old man with it just to hear him scream. And when beating him, the son would laugh and profane and seem to enjoy it. Enjoy it. All of this I saw. Um, the old man was crippled and could walk only with the aid of two sticks, one in each hand, and without the aid of these, he was totally helpless and unable to walk. While living here, his toes rotted off his feet. That probably made it easier for his son to beat him. Probably. He couldn't run away. Yeah. yeah. I, I was up to my brother-in-law's ranch one fall in November when an eight-inch snow fell, dropping to zero weather by night. My brother-in-law and I overtook, uh, took over an extra quilt and some supper to the old man and also chopped wood, which we piled close to the stove so that he could handily keep the fire going during the night without getting out of bed. After returning home later in the night, I heard him screaming. I awoke my brother-in-law and he said, don't take notice of him. He always screams like that. When we got up the next morning, we looked towards his cabin and saw that the house was gone. We immediately went to where his cabin had been and found it had burned to the ground during the night. Hang on a second, Maven. Okay. Who were the last people who were there making the fire in his fireplace? Right. Yeah, and, and I think there may have been some negligence yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. All of the old, no, it's okay. Um, all of the old man's clothes had burned off of him and he was burned all over his body from his feet to the top of his head. He was alive and lay curled up in the ashes of the burned cabin, trying to keep warm. You would have we thought he would have been pretty warm by then. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess it all had burnt out by then, so now it was back to the snow. Mm. We secured some quilts, and with team and sleigh, we took him to, and I still don't know how to pronounce this, Pioa? The people of Pioa took up a collection which amounted to $5 for the particular medicine he was directed to buy. The old man died on the fourth day after he was burned, and his remains were interred in the Pioa Cemetery. And uh, Rebecca Biblioteca sent me a picture. So I'm going to try to get that on the screen. Um, I hope it's as not of this guy after he got burned. Um, what was that? 
Not this guy after he got burned. Not a picture like that, right? No. So the uh, so this uh, this town has a plaque that I think was um, oh my computer's being weird now. Um, was somebody's I, I think Eagle Project. So I don't know. I'll have you guys I guess chat about the story while I try to bring up this picture. And it looks like we've got two people in the chat ready to share stories. So I'm I'm pleased to see that. I am too. I'm going to get that. Were you done? No, I wanted, I'm going to try to get these pictures real quick if you guys, I don't know, want to chat about that. Why don't you go ahead and finish your presentation off, then we can go to the people in the order that Bill thinks best. I'm I can, but I just need a minute here. to find it. That's the problem. Oh, you're trying to find it. Oh, I, I see. I see. Um, while you're looking for it, what if we take the first person who's online, Bill? We actually have a couple people here in the studio. Do you want to take a phone call or do the video? Uh, let's do video first if we can. Oh, right. hey. Well, hey, how, how are you? Uh, great. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Excellent. Who is this who calls us? Uh, Sloan Smart is my name. Sloan Smart. Yes, sir. Yes, I like that name. What's your are you story, related, Sloan? Are you related to that mission president that we covered uh, about 100 episodes ago? No, no. And people always ask Elizabeth Smart as well. Not related either. So okay. uh, mine's actually a missionary spooky story. Ooh. So I served my mission down in Paraguay in 2003. And um, Paraguay, yes. Yes, Paraguay, Asuncion Norte. And one night, uh, it was July. So down there, that was wintertime. And so, you know, it started to get dark around four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, it was around seven or eight. So it was completely dark. Amazon jungle around me, a dirt road. And about halfway down the block, there was a lamppost. And under the lamppost, I saw a very dark skinned figure, um, only wearing what looked like dirty, um, uh, like soccer shorts, like tiny shorts, no shoes, no uh, shirt, kind of matted, longer hair, hair over the ears. And I just got this like, I didn't have a spooky feeling. I was more like, oh, he's going to rob me. Like, I'm going to get I'm going to get held up at, at knife point. Um, and so I turned to my companion and I said, hey, I don't feel right. We need to take the long way home. We we can't walk past this guy. So he was like the directly past him a few blocks was going to be our, our house that we were staying in. And so he's like, I agree. Let's take the long way home. He pulls out his slingshot, which we had for like street dogs that would try to bite us down in Paraguay um, to protect us. Um, and so as we start walking, we were going to take a long way around. Uh, we start hearing this eerie whistling up in the trees kind of following us. Um, it wasn't a uh, scary, hey, Hey, McDude. Um, so hey, McDude. it wasn't happy. You're interrupting the story. That's my job. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and so, so essentially it followed us. It wouldn't get further, wouldn't get closer away. Uh, it was, it was really creepy. The whistling, the whistling followed us. And so we ended up coming back around to the street that our, our house was on. Uh, like the, my companion tossed me the keys to the lock. We had a locked gate. So I unlocked the gate. We never went through the front door. We always went through the back because um, we had a bookcase blocking the front door, so we'd never get our stuff stolen. So I ran around to the back and unlocked the door. My companion came running around the back as well. And um, uh, as soon as we shut the door, the whistling stopped, and it stopped following us. And so that was on a Wednesday night. On Friday, we had a barbecue with this member Sloan? family. Yes. Sloan, hang on a second. So yeah. you see this the skinny Sasquatch 
by the lamppost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just thought right. I was a Paraguayan uh, in the cold, wearing just like some dirty soccer shorts. Okay, it was Kane. That's it. You don't see him again. No, I just hear the whistling. Okay, after that, just the whistling. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yep. Soon to be appearing in the movie, uh, Kane goes on a diet. It could, it could be. And and okay. I'm five foot nine. Most Paraguayans yeah. are average of like five foot. And mm-hmm. he was about the average size of a Paraguayan, but again, very dark skin, dark matted hair, dirty soccer shorts is what it looked like. I had a jacket on. He he was just in the dirty soccer shorts. But the whistling followed us home. Uh so we went to the the members um the barbecue night, on Friday night. Yeah. And so that was Wednesday. Wednesday that had happened. Friday we went to the barbecue. And my companion was like, hey, tell them kind of what happened. And so mm-hmm. I told them and they pulled out this book of Paraguayan myths and legends. And there's this Paraguayan legend called Pombero that essentially protects the birds from children's with slingshots and he whistles. And uh, he's shorter, dark skin, dark matted hair, wears like a loincloth, that sort of thing. So that was my run in on my mission with Pombero. What did you think about that when they opened up the book and you read that article? I was freaking out. I was like, the Lord is with me. He protects his missionaries, right? Like that was the that was the feeling, right? It was a very faith promoting uh, story for me. That's so amazing. Uh, yep. What do you what are you liking that to? I'm just glad it wasn't the chupacabra. It, well, right, because uh, then our sheep would be have no blood. Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. And pretty soon uh, they move up from sheep. Exactly. Yep. Um, no, I was just it was it was really weird. Uh, I, again, my first thought was I'm going to get robbed, and so that was kind of the bad feeling. I didn't think it was you know anything supernatural until after I saw the book. But so. when you saw the book, now you know the whole story. Yeah, I freaked out. I I freaked out. Uh, Again, I I thought it was a very faith affirming. The Lord protects his chosen messengers, right? Like, like Mm. that's why we had the feeling to go the different way. That is really, really cool. (laughs) I think it is. Creepy monkey paw. (laughs) Bill Bill likes your story so much. He's giving you a hand. Nice. Thank you. Or the finger. Or the finger. (laughs) Or the finger. So I think ghost stories on missions is really, really common. And and I bet that'll be probably a recurring theme because I I don't think it's, it's what we have. And maybe it has to do with just the intensity of a mission and the hyper, uh, you know, religious, religiosity. I can't talk today. Religiosity that kind of maybe makes like a ripe environment for these kind of stories. But I think what's kind of unique about what you shared is that it's, it's combined with an actual, like a local legend rather than just, um, yeah, like a, a you know a demon trying to stop the work kind of a story. So that's interesting. Thank you very Fantastic. much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Happy you Halloween awesome. to you. Yes, happy Halloween. Thanks. Do we have someone on the phone, or should we uh, take people who are online? Should we give I, them preference? Is that not right? I just wanted to show the body that I found of oh, from Maven's story. So there, there is that it from is. the book. No, that's just a dead charred body that I found on the internet yeah. while we were. This was the we picture I was trying to, and it's it's who I don't have quite uh, like the close up of the plaque, but it's um, uh, it so it it just I think it says Brooks, and it's it's dedicated to the guy in the story, but it's just on this gigantic stone, and it says like supposedly he is buried under this, and that the stone just kind of like fell from the mountains, although there's not really any mountains nearby, so. I mean, it might look like someone just slapped a plaque on top of a random large rock in a cemetery, but I bet if we removed that, <laughs> there would be an actual real body under there, and this hasn't been there for, you know, hundreds or thousands of years, probably. 
charge. I know what I know what would I know what wouldn't be under there. What? Gold plates with a third to one half being sealed. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Probably. <laughs> All right. So uh we got lots Thanks of phone sharing. calls. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, can we do a phone call and then we'll get uh I think it's Tim Grogan. Yep, we'll go to him next. So let's do the call. Sorry, Tim. Mm-hmm. I feel bad because I can sort of see you down there <laughs> from my haunted right. vantage point. I think this is Gary. Is that correct? Daphne. Daphne. Go ahead, Daphne. Pretty close. All right. Um, so. <laughs> Daphne, so you're out in the mystery lot. mobile um, one night and what happens? Exactly. I was about uh, 13 years old in the Mystery Mobile. <laughs> um, no, but actually, I was going to get on a bus. There is a bus involved in the story, so that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I was about 14, 13 years old, um, and I rode the public school bus, and so I usually waited for the bus around like 6.50 in the morning, so usually it's still kind of dark. Um, this time of year, it was kind of dark. I don't remember what time of year it was, but it was still dark in the mornings and it was kind of cold outside. Um, so I waited the bus like I always did. And, um, I had my headphones in and my awesome iPad or excuse me, iPod nano with two whole gigs on it. So that was real fancy. Um, and when, as I'm listening to the music, I hear my and I get really freaked out, and I'm like, just, just wait for the bus. And I can see the bus you like cornering. You heard what? Da- yeah. All of a sudden, you, I heard my own name. I heard someone call my name. You got your name called. Oh, sorry about that. Someone called your name, or someone called yourself? Is that a little more clear? Oh, much better. Thank you so much. Okay, so you're at the bus yeah, stop. Um, it's it's in the morning. You're waiting for the bus. It's dark out. And then something happens. Please take it from there. Yeah. So from there, I, I hear my name. Someone calling my name. Um, and I got kind of freaked out. because Is it a man's I'm voice? usually the only one at my bus stop. It was a man's voice, yes. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And I ignored it. And I heard my name again. And then I got more freaked out. I'm like, this is weird. I Just wait for the bus. The bus is coming around the corner. I hear my name a third time. So I finally was behind me. And my dad is standing, I would say, about 30 yards away from me. So kind of far, but at this moment, the bus is already approaching my bus stop. And so I'm ready to get on the bus, if that makes sense. No, actually, so it doesn't right now. I see Daphne, my dad. Daphne, your dad is behind you? Mm-hmm. That's what I see. I see my dad behind me about 30 yards walking toward me. He's wearing a baseball cap he's always worn. Like he's wearing a shirt that I've seen him wear before and, and I, I see him and I'm kind of like weirded out. Um, cause because he's usually not, not at normal. my bus stop in the morning. Yeah. For him to be there. Okay. No, not normal at all. I understand. Thank you. My dad goes, my dad, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> so it's not normal for me to see him there. And all, all he says to me is Daphne get good grades so you can go to BYU. And I grew up very Mormon with doing family home evening every Monday, blah, blah, blah. I'm currently out of the church, but um, but BYU was always kind of a goal for me anyway. So him saying that to me wasn't that weird. 
at the time, but it was a weird timing, if that makes sense. Um, so at this point, I'm crossing the street to get on my bus and I get on my bus and I sit in my normal seat. I sit in the front seat with one of my friends and my friend Leanna, I didn't say anything to her, but my friend Leanna says to me, Hey, is that your dad? I'm like, yeah, that's my dad. And she's like, what is he doing? Cause she never sees him there. And I'm like, he told me to get good grades so I can go to BYU. And she's like, cool. I'm like, great. So fast forward to the evening. The evening, I'm still really weirded out by this experience. So I talked to my dad. Hey, dad, why are you at my bus stop this morning? And my dad is like, what are you talking about? And I'm like really confused. And I'm like, huh, stop joking. Why are you at my bus stop? You told me to get good grades to go to BYU. And he's like, I wasn't there. I took your sister to seminary this morning, like I always do. Seminary starts. Um, I think for her, it started at 6.30 in the morning. And the stake center that my sister had the sem um, seminary at was about a 20-minute drive from my dad's house. My dad would wait for her while they had seminary and would take her to school. Um, so at 6.50 in the morning, my dad was not home. So I'm, at this point, I'm like kind of freaking out. I'm 13 years old, and I'm like yelling at my dad. <laughs> Like, stop lying to me. <laughs> and like, I asked my mom, I asked my siblings, I asked my sister, like, you were at seminary? She's like, yes. Like, like there was no way dad was there. And this whole, like, the whole time I'm freaking out. Um, and honestly, that's kind of where the story ends. I really never got answers. I did go on the bus the next day and asked my friend, Leanna, too. You saw my dad yesterday. Is that right? He's like, yeah, he was wearing the baseball cap, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, you knew that. And I had another friend also named Yunha who also saw him there as well. D Daphne, so, so your father, I, so your father yeah. that morning somehow was in two completely separate places at once. It appears to be. Um, I talked yet, to the bishop once yet, about it. I'm sorry. And yet the father that you came home to and you talked to about did not remember or know about his going to your bus stop. Correct. And I mean, this is one of those things where it's been years since I've thought about it, but for a, a long time after that experience, I kept asking my dad, like, stop, like, stop playing this joke, you know, and he, he wouldn't let up. So either he's still playing a joke on me or that really happened. I asked the bishop once about it and I'm also, I'm Hispanic. I'm like Latin American or I guess I'm, I'm Mexican and my dad is Mexican and like dark skinned as well. And so the, he, he chalked it up to the three knee fights. Um, it was, that was one of the three knee fights and I ended up going to BYU. Um, I got good grades and then I graduated from BYU, but now I've left the church. So here we are. <laughs> well, at least we have some good information about uh, the fact that one of the three Nephites is identical to your dad. There we go. Including the ball cap. The more we know. <laughs> I wonder who the three and Nephites And that was one thing for. is that they, yeah, they kind of chalked it up to that too. Where it's like, well, they can appear non-threatening to you. So. Yeah, it's interesting. There we Very go. interesting and strange. And I don't know what to make of it. Have you made anything out of it? How this happened? 
I, honestly, I haven't thought about it in years until you guys kind of brought this up um, last week um, during Mormonism Live. And that's when I started to think about it. And so I still need to talk to my dad about it. So I will keep you guys posted. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daphne. I appreciate the call and you're sharing that story with us. You know, it's funny when Daphne yeah, says no that problem. about... Thank you, guys. Oh, bye-bye. Happy Halloween. Bye. I'm sorry. I didn't know she was still there. Yeah, it's so funny when Daphne talks about going on, you know, in life with her dad and every now and then bringing it up and saying, yeah, you were kidding about that, right? It brought something to mind that I don't remember entirely, but there was something that happened. I don't know if it was a friend of mine or somebody else. Oh, I remember it now, but I'm not going to share it. But it was like for years after I'm saying, you're kidding about that, right? You actually did that. <laughs> and the answer was always the same. No, I didn't. Oh, so Dan Vogel is in the audience. Good evening, Mr. Vogel. Ah, he says the three Nephites were white. It must have been one of the three Lamanites. Yes, this is why we have <laughs> such excellent scholars in the live chat. <laughs> well, I wanted to say, I, I thought it was interesting. Like, normally, I think these kinds of stories will have usually a passed on family member get kind of giving messages beyond the grave. So it's a, it's an interesting kind of twist where it's somebody that looks like somebody that, you know, and is alive and well, and you know, that you live with and can easily check with. I did see there was this um, comment that asked, does your dad look like his father? So I guess maybe that connected with me. Cause I was like, if they do look very mm. similar, um, mm. which like my youngest brother looks a lot like my father takes after him, like their baby pictures look like they look like they could be identical twins. And so um, that would maybe switch it up to where if that was the case, then maybe it's a, the grandfather. But I think that would be something you would have just, I think, known inherently if that was the case. But um, it just seemed like I think this person was also maybe thinking in line with me that, that it, it's just an interesting twist. I think it's very interesting. And the thing that attracts me to the story and makes me tend to believe it more than just any, you know, rank and file story you might hear out there is all this supernatural effort seeming to go to deliver such a pedestrian message. Yeah. This is not something that someone would generally concoct, but now I've given you the, the way to tell a story that, you know, can fool me. So go ahead. Yes, current Bush. I am the gardener here. You know, so maybe maybe somebody's leading something. Hubie Brown, why you is a a big deal for for this person's uh, track in life. That was a beautiful quotation, Bill. That was a Hubie <laughs> Brown talk, wasn't it? I think so. It was. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. We're on the same <laughs> wavelength tonight, coast to coast. Love it. So we've got Tim in the audience. Want to bring him on? Yes, west of the Rockies. You're on the air, Tim Grogan. Hello, gentlemen. Got the Good most evening. Coaching. Most entertaining post-Mormon show in the business. I love it. Well, you have yeah. excellent taste, sir. Yeah, well, exactly. And RFM, you are the movie guy. I'm one of those guys. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. right. uh, I'm Tony Montana, and I want my civil rights from President Jimmy Carter. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll just pretend I know what you're saying. So, uh, <laughs> so you, have a, you have some kind of creepy, eerie... Macabre. Well, I'm actually, I actually look for ghosts. I'm a uh, agnostic atheist in now in Southern Utah and um, I'm looking for the beyond. So I go to haunted places. And uh, for example, I, there's a place in um, Bill, you might want to take the, your wife there. He misses. Um, it's called the hotel Zaza. It used to be used by the big oil men in Houston for orgies. 
and there's supposedly dead bodies buried in the basement there. Okay. And it's Those are like, some orgies. it's like the hotel in the shining. Yeah. There's the overlook There's secret rooms and panels and all that. Didn't see anything there. Nothing. But I was at the uh, hotel mitzvah, which is supposed to be the ha- most haunted hotel in America, in um, Tonopah, Nevada. Tim, for yeah. a second, I'm sorry to interrupt. When you said you went to the hotel about Shining, uh, I was trying to think of that the other day. Is that the Overlook? No, that's the book. Is it the Stanley Hotel? Yeah, I believe so. In Colorado, it's in Colorado. Nancy's Park or something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah that's where they. Yeah, I've never it. been there, but um, I'm 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 going to go there. I don't even know what the story is. I've been to another one. There's, a, there's another famous haunted hotel in San Diego, where there's a widow's watch on top, and the woman appears. And then I went to a haunted hotel in um, Hollywood, um, but I've never seen anything. It's not the Roosevelt, is it? I think it is the Roosevelt. I think yeah. it is. Yeah, I stayed there right across from the old Groman. They renamed it the Groman Chinese Theater. Yep. There. That's yeah. the one, courtesy yeah. of my dear friend, Randy Bell. There you go. Um, but um, I stayed at this hotel uh, called the Mitzvah Hotel, and they, I went with a friend of mine, a buddy, and... Um, there were two floors to stay on. Uh, I think it was the 11th floor had uh, deceased children that were supposed to appear. And they're crying out. They died in a fire or something. And then on the sixth floor, there's a lady, a prostitute, who was murdered by a jealous client. And uh, so I stayed on the sixth floor and I made my buddy stay on the 11th floor. So, because I wanted to, you know. So you got the prostitute and he got the, the yeah, screaming he got kids. The kids. He got the screaming kids. So I'm waiting anxiously in my room and I finally fall asleep. And um, the walls of this hotel are about yay thick. They're built to 1875 standards or something like that. It was the tallest standing building in the state of Nevada the time um they have a lot of old silver mines there but i wake up to screaming in the next room and at first i think i'm going to have a ghostly experience but it's just a guy entertaining his girlfriend that's it huh that's it just, All right, I'm laughing. Damn, damn. Come on, you. Uh, this you is a are, family show. Oh, wait, now, is, has this whole thing just been a put on to lead up to this, or have you actually gone out looking? For I'm ghosts? looking. I'm okay. looking for ghosts. I did have a dream of a demon one. Day. I didn't know if it. Oh wow, you had a dream of a demon. Yeah. Totally impressed. No, like, I'm sorry. RFM has been divorced I, my twice. My Bell so. persona totally <laughs> slipped right there. <laughs> I'm supposed to go. Wow, you had a dream about a demon. Tell us yes. about it. I used to listen to Art Bell all the time, by the way. He was fantastic. <laughs> people, are, people are saying the craziest stuff in the world. It's going, wow, it's very interesting. Wow, let's let's take a break right now. And So Guy oh. McDude is weighing in saying that's the worst ghost story ever. Of course, it wasn't a ghost story. But here you are. You've got to tell us. You have been searching, searching, searching for, for ghosts. Uh, ghost. What have you found? Have you found anything? I've 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 looked and looked and looked at, and Except for the the screaming guy, uh, lady in the next room, um, and the demon dream, and the dream, demon that was the scariest dream I ever had. It was about a seven foot tall demon, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and he had one big eye. 
mm, right in the yeah. middle of his forehead. Right. And he said, we're going to become very close. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, night terror. So, yeah. yeah. But I, I'm, I'm looking for ghosts. That was better than the other story. <laughs> but you haven't found anything, but you've really been trying. Is it yeah. that you've been looking for ghosts in all the wrong places? I don't know. Maybe I scare them off. You know, my skeptical, you know, you got to, or I don't have enough imagination, too much autism, not enough. Uh... I do think skepticism kind of scares them off. They tend to favor the believing is what I hear. But, yeah, not but you're well. not a skeptic, are you? I mean, would you be running around to all these different places in or uh, taking up all that time to try and I'm, find something that you don't believe skeptic. exists? I'm an open-minded skeptic. I, you know, whatever the evidence says, I'll, you know, who knows? I mean. Well, please get in contact with us if you ever find anything. By the way, here's an easy one for you. Give me the movie. Extra credit for the character. Oh. He thrusts his fists against the posts and still insists he sees the ghosts. Wow. Oh, I thought that was a gimme. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm, I'm making it worse, aren't I? <laughs> I'm, thinking. I'm thinking. Okay. I'm, thinking, I'm, thinking. I'm sorry. Time's up. No, go, go, go. Yeah. What is Fem Morte has it. Yes. It? Yes. I, it was Billy, right? Uh, you were was the one, his little Poe. brother who got killed. Anyway, we all float down here, Billy. He was the one with the speech impediment. He stuttered. Uh, and this was the, the thing that the, the speech pathologist or gave to him in order to repeat over and over in order to try well, and help with it. I've got one for you. Oh yeah. Watch the skies everywhere. Everyone watch the skies. That's interesting because you know, that craziness at the end is reminiscent of invasion of the body snatchers, but why would yeah. they be watching the skies? That's what I don't know. It's the first version of the thing. Mm. Yes. If you've ever seen a James Arness plays the thing, he's oh, there. Oh. He's a, um, he's a, um, uh, a, an out of control carrot that fe feeds on human blood. Mm. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. And of course, John Carpenter did the famous remake in the eighties with yes. Kurt Russell. Yes. But they're both good. They're both yes. excellent. Never get enough beta carotene. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, you guys are great. So thank you so okay. much. Take Taylor. Care. I appreciate your Happy being Halloween. here. Thank you. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Bye. I just wanted to put this up real quick. So this is mm -hmm. um from PD Priesthood Dispatches. Um, and, and you can see in the top corner, uh, his paramormon instead of paranormal, paramormon investigation. Um, this was something he did last year, but he went to a very haunted hotel in uh, in the UK to uh, try to see if he could channel the ghost of Joseph Smith, uh, even trying mm -hmm. to rock in a hat. So if you're interested in uh, in PD's ghost story, that's on his channel. Again, that's Priesthood Dispatches. Um, I'll grab the link real quick and, and put it in the chat for you guys to watch later if you like. But I just thought there's another kind of creepy hotel uh, mystery. And I think this was in conjunction with actually a, another show that's pretty popular in the UK where they, they film people mm. Uh, they put up cameras in these kinds of hotels uh, during the night and watch people get freaked out or, or not. It looks like a young Alfred Hitchcock. Maybe. All right. We've got. <laughs> All right. So we calls. have somebody else on the phone, on the line, are east bunch. of the Rockies. Caller, what's the name? Hi, this is uh, AK. 
Uh, AKA the cat lady. Cat lady. Cat lady. Go ahead, cat lady. Tell us your yeah. paranormal or ghost story. All right. Okay. I'm a never Mormon. Uh, and I do not believe in the devil and I do not believe in demons. I should state that ahead of time. Um, about 20 years ago, um, I had literally just turned off the lights in my room, laid down, put my eye covers on, uh, to go to sleep. And within about five minutes, I realized I had forgotten to do something. So I took my eye covers off, opened my eyes, and there's this thing floating above me. It, so it, was, it, it had, you know, two arms, two legs, but they were on my ceiling. And the face and body were extremely, like, a grayish, pale white with, like, these burn marks in it. The face itself had dark, dark, huge black eyes. Um, and an extremely wide mouth. I screamed like a, like a legitimate movie scream um, for, for at least a few minutes before my family came up and ran to see what was going on. Um, and once I screamed, I saw it recede sort of back to my ceiling, turn its head back around, and then disappear. And it freaked me the hell out. <laughs> I still don't know what I saw. I have no idea. Hmm. How old were you at the time? I uh, would have been about 26, 27. Hmm. And so you have yeah, a... And it was... Uh, it was I was going to say... Know, you, what, you know, my, my initial thought was... Yeah. Daphne, do you have a continuous recollection from seeing that to your parents or whoever coming into the room? In other words, the most obvious explanation is this is a dream that then segued into reality. And that's why I'm asking if, if your memory is that's continuous. What I thought. That, that's exactly what I suspected initially. But I had only been in bed with my eyes closed for about five minutes. Normally, I don't sleep um, for at least 20 minutes to half an hour once I lay down for bed. So that would have been extremely unusual for me to have fallen asleep and sort of had a transferred dream that sort of manifested itself. Um, yeah, I mean, I slept with the lights on for about a month after that because I was so freaked out by what I saw. And um, the weirdest thing was, I, I can't remember, I was I, a few years ago, I was looking at Halloween costumes that some people had done. Um, at a college and somebody had dressed up and uh, was kind of crawling on their legs and chasing after people and what they had dressed up as looks almost exactly like what I saw in my whatever when, when it was floating above me like it had the the same sort of burns uh like it was a full body costume that the person was wearing it had the same sort of you know scars and burn marks the same big eyes the same wide mouth um, I downloaded the picture because I couldn't believe my eyes that I was, and that was at least 15 years after I saw this. So did you find the costume packaging? The it was weird. Did you find the costume packaging to find out what it was uh, called? I did not. I think the person probably um, had some experience with makeup because it was done really well. Well, I've never heard anything like that before, a.k.a. the cat lady. I will tell you, however, that even though it never happened to me, my imagination was active enough, even as a high schooler, 
to think that there would be nothing scarier than for me to walk into my bedroom at night, flip on the light, and have a skeleton sitting at the end of my bed, at the foot of my bed, looking away from me, right? So toward the wall, I come in, flip on the light, the skeleton looks up, looks around at me with a shocked look on his face, as much of a shocked look as a skeleton can have, I guess, and then vanishes. Because I know that something was there. I know it's not there now. And I know that it can come back. And that's why I reacted so strongly. If anybody's watching the screen when you said about what happened and then it, you know, melded into the ceiling. That's why I went, oh my gosh, that's just like my worst fear in a different way. Yeah, I'd put up a yeah. comment that someone had said sleep yeah, paralysis, but it doesn't seem to really match um, that because from what I understand, sleep paralysis typically is when you are asleep and you're kind of in that point where your your body is unable to move. There's a, there's a part of really deep sleep or slumber where, um, yeah, you just don't have that. Uh, that that part of your consciousness, and usually you're you're not conscious for that part. But if you do happen to wake up during that time, uh, it's it's extremely difficult to start to get that control back of your body to move around. And it typically does come with it the uh, the sight or the feeling if you can't even open your eyes of demons. And I've had this happen before too, actually. But I I knew it, what it was. It's still terrifying when it happens though, and you can't move and you're trying so hard. But yeah, it's usually there's there's dark. There's usually it's usually not so clear, and it's not something that you would see, you know, walking into a room and turning on the light. So that's um, interesting. And then someone someone else had this. I think I don't know if, how to say it, hypnagogic hallucination. And this is something I've heard about only just recently. So I don't understand it enough. I think well enough to want to try to um, define it. But it seems like more of a. My understanding is it's more of a waking hallucination, and that's the only uh, from a, a, a skeptical point of view. I think that would be the only other idea that, that that that's what it could be, but that would be terrifying. It is. And it coast to coast, we don't seek yeah, to debunk or analyze. We seek to believe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and later on, I started having sleep paralysis, but at that time in my life, I had never experienced, I didn't start experiencing sleep paralysis until about two years ago. I just want to ask one last oh, question. Yeah, all right. That's my story. You said at the outset, I'm sorry. I know we talk over each other a bit. I apologize. Um, but you said at the outset, you don't believe in the devil. You don't believe in demons. So what do you make of this experience that you had? You know, I don't know. That's the only experience that I've ever had like that. Um, I have gone on ghost hunts as well. Um, you know, I watch all the paranormal shows, or I used to. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't, the only thing I could think of is maybe the five minutes wasn't as long or was longer than five minutes. And I had begun to fall asleep and then woke up and that's when I saw it. I mean, that's, that's my running theory that I have about what happened. Well, that would be the most comforting theory anyway. Yeah. That my, yeah. yeah that my perception of time was incorrect. Interesting. Daphne, oh, I said Daphne, I'm sorry, a.k.a. the cat lady. Uh, thank you so much for calling tonight and sharing that story. That's fascinating. And I wish you a happy Halloween. And I, I did just thank put you. up happy this Halloween comment. Oh, so sorry. There's a bit of a delay. <laughs> I, I thought that the call was going to end there. Um, yeah, so some, Don Smith put up that the hypnagogic hallucinations are brief hallucinations that take place as you're falling asleep. So 
um, yeah, if that's a thing. So if that helps with the comfort, but, um, I've also been advised that I've, I'm spoiling things with, I think, which yeah, I no kidding. Yeah. Too nicely. So I will not do that anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Well, every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited you. Party pooper. That's Maven. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we've got some people down here. Uh, okay. So we've got Newton Lemos from Brazil. How are you doing? Oh, you got me. My God. We got you. Okay. So this is not a coast-to-coast episode. It's a hemisphere-to-hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. It's coast-to-coast and around the world, baby. Okay. I just can't believe it. I just love you guys. I love you, Maven. I love you, Bill. I love you, RFM. And I come and here from Brazil, I'm always watching your shows, and I really love your show, guys. Appreciate well, it. I'm a former Mormon. I've been a Mormon for... Like, until I was 27 years old, I'm a return missionary, and I was excommunicated and all that stuff, but this is not the, the thing now. The story I'm going to tell you is something that happened with me when I was a member. Me and other people from the church, we went on camping in a reserve very close to my town here. And it was, uh, we, we stood there for like two days. And when we were coming back, we were in a bus. And this bus was on a very, uh, uh, it was very rustic road, you know? And the bridge only had uh, let just one car go each time. And the bus was coming down the road and the driver had to look at the other side to see if someone was coming in the other direction. So he would stop and let the other car come. And I don't know what happened, that we were in the bus, and the guy started going down in the bridge, and all of a sudden, a truck entered in the other side. And guess what happened? The, our bus driver tried to stop the bus, and it didn't stop. And so he just drove it side, sideways, and the bus had no brakes anymore. And so what happened is that he couldn't stop the bus, I just felt that very weird noises, and I thought I would die. And I just closed my eyes, and the bus just uh, went down into the river. It just flew and hit the river down. And from that moment, I couldn't remember anything. I was down the water. I just felt that water coming, and I just lost my conscience. And after that, I just started seeing this very bright light in a place. And I had the very vivid reminding, it was just like a movie, very scene, many scenes from other times in my life came to my mind. And then I started walking. I started walking in in a very white and beautiful place. And this gentleman that I didn't know came to me and asked my name. And I told him I was Newton. And he looked at me and said, well, Newton, it's not your time yet. You're not supposed to be here. So you're coming back and you're going to serve your uh, time there. And then I woke up. I was just in the middle of the water. And I don't know how I could. Uh, swim and go, get out of the bus through a hole 
and I kept swimming and I grabbed the the side of the river and I started jumping to the I, I, I started crawling to get up in the bridge and when I was up there I could see that my face was all full of blood and my arm was completely broke so I just just don't know how I could do that you know and I after that I I still don't know what what happened to me? It's not. It's not a story from Visions of Glory, okay? But I just couldn't understand all that scary experience and what that happened to me. And the thing is, I'm uh, almost fifty nine years and I love alive and kicking here now, okay? So I just would like to share. It's not creepy in the sense of uh, a ghost story, but it's something that there is unexplainable and it affected me in a very uh, special way thanks for sharing both of you guys are muted <laughs> oh i thought bill wasn't talking but no he wasn't i was thank okay. you um a lot of times i hear people who tell about their near-death experiences and the fact that it had a remarkable change on the course of their life it changed their attitude completely about life did you experience something like that? No, not really. I was a little bit shocked because that was the very first time that I had that kind of feeling and that I saw that kind of scenery. And the impression that I have today is just a strong feeling that life doesn't end here, that it's some, there is something on the other side. Now, not I, I'm not sure if it, is, if it is in the Mormon way or Buddhist way or whatever way, but I just keep the impression with me that life does not end here. There's something there that I couldn't explain, but uh, uh, for some kind of reason, I had this experience. I met this man, and this man told me that it was not my time yet, that I should come back, and I came back. And I went through this almost impossible thing that I just I, I just really don't know how I could come off the water and swim and climb the the, the cliff to go up to, to the to the bridge. And I was just wounded and my arm was broke and yeah. I just I, I I could do all of that. That's amazing. And I want you to you to stay here so I can say this to your face, okay? Because uh, I'm not belittling your experience at all. I think it's fantastic. It just makes me wonder sometimes because I hear your kind of story um, has been replicated by lots of different people with a similar kind of story, right? Yes. And uh, they died too early and it's not their time. And so they get sent back generally. Those are the stories we hear. Obviously, if they don't get sent back, we don't get to hear those stories. But the ones of the people who got sent back, it just makes me wonder, idly, I suppose, if the God of the universe who's supposed to be in control of all these, you know, details in everyone's lives, why it is that he lets so many people die prematurely. Yes, Have you ever the, thought about that? RFM. The thing is, many people in that bus really died. Yes. Friends of mine died there, you know? Yes. And so I don't know if they were counting the dead people there. They said, oh, oh you, you, you come back. You should not be here. Okay. But I you think slipped in. It, it was something very serious, and I just you were collateral damage, my friend. 
Yes, <laughs> I was a side effect. Yes. Well, I'm glad you came back. I'm glad you're with us because I love having you watch the show and I love reading your comments in the live chat after the show's over. Okay. So get back to the live chat, my friend. Thank you again so much. Happy Halloween. Okay. Happy Halloween, everyone there. <laughs> oh, this is great. I'm loving the show. And I, I love that, the feature. I know okay. that Rebecca is down below, but we've got a few callers that have been waiting about 50 minutes. So I'm going to put a caller on first and then we'll we'll squeeze. So Rebecca Biblioteca, sorry about that. We'll be okay. right with you, Rebecca. Sorry. Just have some Tranya and wait a little bit longer. All right. Caller, what's the name? Hello? Yeah, what's the name, caller? Hello, my name is Kristen. Kristen, welcome to Mormon Um, I'm here in Canada. Thank you. Um, so my story is when I was a kid, um, well, anyway, my mother, my mother went to BYU in the 70s. And um, when I was a kid, she told me this story about these um, female students in their dorm room who were playing with a Ouija board. And uh, it summoned evil spirits and, and levitated these students to the ceiling of the dorm room. And I remember thinking to myself, Oh my God. Like they would, I was just a kid. Like they're, they're going to be stuck up there forever. And I, I said to my mother, what happened? Like, how did they get them down? And she said, well, they had to call in a whole bunch of missionaries who came in and prayed, um, around these students stuck on the ceiling until they were able to get them down. And well, uh, I'll bet there were a lot of right arms raised to the square in that room. That's amazing. No, that's amazing. Kristen, I got to tell yeah, you something. I, 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 <laughs> Do you know what the first miracle in the history yeah. of the LDS church is? What's that? If you don't know, Bill Real is raising his hand. He's doing his, his best impression of Hermione Granger. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. If you don't know, then it goes to Bill. Honestly, I feel like it's. I don't. I don't. I don't. It's got to go to Bill. It's it's basically so, what they're describing. Bill, take it away. Yeah. Well, I don't remember the name of the member. First off, I was thinking Elsa Johnson and her lame arm, where she was able to hang laundry afterward, and that was oh. Deal. But but RFM is referring to uh, it was just Joseph Smith and this other gentleman in the home, and this gentleman was ended up being possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, ended up going up to the ceiling, being tossed in to and fro against the walls. Joseph Smith then ran out of the house and grabbed the neighborhood. When they all came in, he was no longer being tossed to and fro, uh, but Joseph cast out the devil and all of them could witness to the end of the experience, which had no miraculous effect to it, but uh, somebody was possessed. And he had a, it was a father and son. We've covered their names before. The missing Newell first Knight. vision account. Newell yeah. Knight. See? Yeah. Dan Vogel makes me smile. Oh. That's what I love about Dan Vogel. Yeah, so the whole thing is that it's my, my I, recollection is it's similar. I've, I've yeah. never heard that. This guy's being cast. Newell Knight. He's being cast about. He's very interesting. Junior, and uh, it's bad news. And so Joseph Smith casts the devil out of him. Mm. And I don't know if this is the one where they actually see him leave bodily as he jumps out the window, or that might have been a different story. But the kicker is that... When Newell Knight's telling the story, he's talking about how he was suddenly delivered and he's in this blissful sensation now because that's how you feel when you get the devil kicked out of you. And the next thing he's aware of is <laughs> the his head pressing against a hard object. And 
He comes to and looks. It's the ceiling. He's freaking floating off the ground up to the ceiling. <laughs> and so that's what your story reminded me of. Wow. Thank you, it, Colin. Yeah, it, it's like very Mary Poppins-ish in a way. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I love to laugh. yeah (laughs) yeah you gotta stop laughing you gotta tell sad stories you can come down from the ceiling that's probably what the missionaries did they told sad stories (laughs) sat upon the ground and told sad stories of the death of kings yes there you go (laughs) oh thank you so much that was a great story (laughs) no problem have a good night happy halloween bye-bye so Can I jump FYI. in? Oh, yeah. Let me just say okay. one thing about the Noel Knight story, and then please. If you go back and read that story in church history, it's sort of written to make you think that everybody's everybody's there to see the experience happen. But if you read the story carefully and go back to the original sources of the story, you learn that it only happens with Joseph and Noel Knight in the in the room, and that everyone in the neighborhood shows up late to the game. But then it's sort of told as if everybody saw all this, and that's just not how it really went down. It's a faith-promoting story of two, not a faith-promoting story of 27. So anyway. Wow. I just wanted to do a memory, quick... Bill. I just wanted to commend <laughs> you on that. Yeah. It just amazes me all the time how great your memory is. Now, I'm sorry, Maven. Um, no, yeah, I just wanted to cut in for a quick commercial break to plug uh, Exmo shirts. And, and what I think is the creepiest shirt available um, <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, I, I have never seen anyone buy this. I don't know why someone would want to, but I know, um, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks, I guess. I, I bet there's people that would want to have this. So anyway, this you know, this one is called What is Wanted, and that's available well, at exmoshirts.com. With that unplanned advertisement on your part, you have just given a clip to the enemy for them to play as they mention how we promote these kinds of T-shirts. Up to now, they've been mistaking our T-shirts, which are not objectionable, with Mm -mm. other T-shirts under the Exmo apparel (laughs) brand. And you brought the chickens home to roost. Thanks a lot. It was fitting. It's Halloween, and this was creepy. I wanted to to show it. It's the creepiest (laughs) thing I've ever seen, I think. Yeah, it's awful. Adam, <laughs> I thought okay. I was going to say things celestial, but yeah, <laughs> uh, ponderize it. Okay, so Carrie we'll bring wants it. There we I go. Want to have see that you shirt. Okay, it. well, you know where to order it, Carrie. How about think, think celestial seasonings, or is it seasons? The herbal tea. Yeah, which is great. Why it's an herbal tea, and you're allowed to have herbal tea. You can't have real tea, and it's got the name celestial. So. That was an easy one to remember as a young adult that I could have that one. Yeah. Seasonings. Oh. Hey, we, we, we cannot forget Rebecca. She's been languishing in the dungeon. We're going to grab her right here. Here we go. I know you just feel part. guilty. That's all. You just feel guilty. That's why you had to let me on. What was going on there? No. We're having <laughs> no a glitch deal. in the system as soon as Rebecca comes on the show. Uh, <laughs> it goes to the machine. Good evening. Can do you, you have a story? Me? I do have a story. I do have a story. And it's actually, first of all, I have to say I'm enjoying the show. It's amazing. It's a perfect topic. It's very seasonal, very timely. And I've loved every story that's been told so far. It's been amazing. So my story is, of course, the story about the library, right? What else would it be? So 
I was about 10 years old. I mentioned before that I was raised in a very sort of sheltered way. I didn't have TV, um, you know, very orthodox family. So all I basically did was read and I read books about fairy tales, magic, that kind of thing. Just avid reader, no TV, just raised kind of in a very sequestered, secluded way. So as I'm reading these books about magic, I get this idea that reading books isn't enough. It would be really interesting to try magic. Like, are there books about spells? Are there books about the dark arts? And I used to go to the library several times a week because no TV, what else are you going to do? You're going to check out more books. So my answer to every question is you've got to go to the library and you've got to figure out um, any question that you have. So I go to the library and I decide that I'm going to look up some books about black magic spells, um, incant- like the real stuff, not fairy tales, but the real stuff. I want, I want to go straight to it. So I walk over and this will date me to the card catalog. This is in the early seventies. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, a card catalog <laughs> is a giant piece of furniture that has drawers in it. And in each drawer is a little card where the book is written with a Dewey decimal call number on it. And they're all in alphabetical order. Did you, or did you not personally know John Dewey? Oh, stop it. I think you're slightly older than I am, but not much. I know. Let's not draw attention. Anyway, so I go to the library. I'm very familiar with the library. Like I go there two or three times a week. I hang out there all the time. Hence my, you know, pseudonym there. So I walk toward the card catalog, fully intending to look up books about the dark arts. And it's like one of those dreams where you're walking, but you're not getting anywhere. I don't know if anyone's ever had a dream like that where you're just moving. Story of my life. But yeah. (laughs) And we should just stand there. There you go. That's probably the scariest thing of all. No, so I'm walking and I'm not getting to the card catalog. I can see it, but it's like I'm underwater and I can't get there. But so you're, like, not, you're not asleep. You're not dreaming. This isn't no, real. This is real. Life. This is real. I have I've been dropped off at the library in my brown Ford station wagon that my parents have driven me there and they're going to leave me at the library. They do not know what I'm intending to look up, which is all kinds of books about you know magic and spells and incantations and the dark arts. So. I'm trying to walk toward the card catalog and I'm very familiar with the library. I know every part of it because I spend so much time there and I can't get there. It's like I'm in a dream and I, I can't move toward it, but I'm a very practical child. And so I just said, stop it. And I start walking forward and I get to the card catalog. So I get there and I decide that I'm going to look up incantation. So I'm trying to find I and it's all alphabetical. And I literally, I guess the only thing I can compare it to is like a stupor of thought. I cannot I cannot read alphabetically. I cannot find I. I cannot go to that drawer. And again, I kind of say to myself, oh my gosh, get a grip. How old were (laughs) you again at this time? I'm 10. Yeah. Again, raised in a really weird way. I've talked about this on my podcast. (laughs) I'm a very strange before? What? Have you ever told this story before? Never. Okay. So you can't figure out where I is. No, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not able to really do it. Yeah. It's like this weird stupor of thought. It's very hard to explain. It's like being in a dream, but this is really happening. So finally I like kind of snap myself out of it and I, you know, I, so then I go to try to pull the drawer open because you're going to pull the drawer open. There's cards inside and you're going to pick out, you know, go through the subjects and you're going to pick out books and that'll direct you in the library where to go find them. So I'm trying to open the drawer and I can't even open the drawer. Like it really is stuck. It'll go out like a little bit of an inch and then it kind of moves and I'm wrestling with this drawer, which is ridiculous. I've been in this card catalog, you know, a couple times a week. I know every inch of it, this should not be happening. So finally I just give it a really big yank and I start combing through the cards, you know, and so I'm it looking does at open. 
With it does open. Game. Yeah. Because each step of the way I'm like blocked, but I just being really determined and I'm going to get through and I'm going to do it. So I open the drawer, the drawer is open and I start, you know, flipping through the cards and I'm looking for incantations. I, that weirdly I can't, it's almost like the cards are blank. Like I just can't make sense of them. I know this sounds really strange. People are probably going, oh, she was having a stroke, but I was only 10. (laughs) I don't know that I was having a stroke. So I just, I really couldn't find it. I really couldn't make any sense of it. I couldn't look through it. And again, I was very familiar with how to look up books in a card catalog. And then in my head, I actually heard it was a male voice and it said, stop it. (laughs) And at that point, somebody was trying to tell me, something was trying to tell me, don't go down this road. Don't go delve into this. Don't look into this. Now, I wasn't a religious child. I think I've been agnostic since I was born. So I didn't ever think other people might think, oh, that's the Holy Ghost or something like that. Um, I didn't think that. I just thought, oh, the forces that be, somebody is trying to tell me not to explore this avenue in my young life. And so I just shut the drawer. And I think and I, I went and checked out Anne of Green Gables or something like that. But it was a really strange experience and I've never forgotten it. And I wrote about it in my journal when I was 10. So I still have it written down. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, what isn't that weird? What I'm wondering is if you had turned around, would you have seen your dad standing there? Uh, no, no. My dad had dropped me off. No, my answer to it is perhaps, I don't know, time travel. I, I don't know what it was. I have no idea. I didn't ever give it a religious context, but I, I did think it might have been, you know, string theory, something. But it was interesting. Because you're a, a rather secular person now. I'm a very secular person, yes. What on earth? You've got all these different things that are going on mm-hmm. that are trying to supernaturally, mm-hmm. and I try and use that word in its technical sense, supernaturally prevent you from getting to the card catalog and pulling out the drawer with I, first off, finding it, pulling it out, right. seeing what it is. And then when none of that works, you hear a voice. I hear a voice. I can't explain it either. And I don't know what would have happened had I delved into that, had I started looking into that at that age. I have no idea. Okay. Wow. Weird. That's a, yeah, that's a remarkable story. It said wrong roads, and I put that up on screen. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Boy, when you said wrong roads there, Maven, it sounded like red rum. Red rum, red rose. Oh, yeah. it. Wrong roads. Wrong <laughs> but I, roads. I've often thought, wrong roads. I've often thought that, that, you know, people could have taken that as a spiritual experience. Like, I probably could have shared that in testimony meeting, and it would have been really inspiring, you know? You could have written a book about that and gathered a cult following of several significant and somewhat infamous individuals. I might still do that. So anyway, thank you for letting me share my story. I have never told that story. Well, thank you for coming on the show. We'll see you later. Happy Halloween. By the way, I don't think I took a chance to plug her shows. Uh, She's on Mormonish with Landon Brophy, if that is his real name. And also on the, um, there's this thing with Steve Pinecker. What's that called? It's not, uh, hang on. Mormon Mormon Book Book Review. Yeah. Mormon Media Reviews is what I think she's officially co-host of. And I'm sure she'll tell us in the chat here real soon as well. And she has a book club, a Mormon book club or something. She's just everywhere doing everything. At least two, if not three book clubs. Yeah. So, yeah, she's very busy. I'm glad she took the time to come on the show and share that story. Is there anybody else on the line, Bill? Four, Four more phone calls on the line. Well, let's line them up. So this should be Tim. Tim, is that you? Ooh, I think Tim hung up on us. Either that or he's 
giving us Morse code for SOS. I'm going to return that to the queue in case he comes back or something else was going on. So give me a second here. Uh, let's try this one. Hello, what's the name caller? Whoop, that didn't work. Let's try this. Bill is hanging up on everyone tonight. Don't take it personal. It's just a little hobby of his. Caller, are you there? Well, I haven't done anything on my end, so let me return that one to the queue. Okay, now we're getting pranked. Something's going on, huh? Yeah, something spooky. You might need to open it back up. And I did put in the chat the link if you want to come on live. We don't have anyone in the in our green room here. So if anyone wants to come and share there. Mm. All right. Caller, are you there? Hello? Hmm. While we're trying to find that, I'm going to, I'll go ahead and put this on. Let me, I'll take the branding off here. Good idea. All right. So yeah, just uh, real quick here, I'll go ahead and make it full screen. So um, this is, if you guys remember from a little while back, we had Brent Bakavoy on who did this, um, I guess, a, kind of a short film. It's a little bit of a, a comedy horror. It's called Ronald's Little Factory. Um, oh. oh, sorry. That's <laughs> me trying to hook us back. Now in the host room and can manage your callers from the call-in studio. This podcast I, has officially been taken him. over by the supernatural. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. I muted you. Just let me know when you're good. Do not okay. attempt to adjust the picture. There we, we are go. controlling transmission. Okay. So back to Ronald's Little Factory. There is a costume party and movie showing. It's at Hello? Movies Cinema Hello? Club. Oh, hold on. You're good. You're good. <laughs> and it's this Friday. Uh, it's at 8.30 p.m. So if you are in Salt Lake City, and it is it is at a bar, so it is 21 plus. But um, anyway, the... Uh, the socializing starts at 8.30 and the movie starts at 10 p.m. Uh, if you want to see that. So there we go. That's my quick plug um, for, uh, for Ronald's Little Factory <laughs> if you're in Salt Lake. And I hope that I need somebody to go on, on my behalf because I, I can't go. And I still haven't seen it yet. Anyway. Thanks for the advert, Maven. This is what it looks like when the, the wheels fall off a podcast. All right. So, Tim, I think <laughs> we've got you, my friend. Go ahead. Tim, I thought it was Steve. Do you have me? I do, but we'll have to switch to Steve back. I something happened there, but we're good now. <laughs> Sounds ahead. like Tim Ballard. Can you hear me? We can. Here we go. You you can hear me? Yes. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Mark. Um, I, it's, I'm in Paderborn. It's February or January 1974. My companion put a hundred in front of me on his bike, and I'm behind him. Something pushes me towards the sidewalk. I fall, and rather than when I hit the curb, it wasn't hard. It was like soft, like rubber, and I fell over. And then as I'm getting up, his bike is taken over by some force, and it bounces up and down, and there's sparks and lightning flying all around it. And it does, it's bouncing up and down, and it does a full 360. His bike, like, it's rocking back and forth all the way around. And I can see sparks coming out of his shoes and all around the bike. Mm. Shoes and the bike? So the, so the bike was bouncing around and there's sparks coming out of it. And the bottom of Berta Hunter's shoes and the bike, there was, like, electricity. I mean, like, static electricity flying all around and it just did a 360 all the way around what was the weather and like stopped and we looked at each other it was a clear 
German winter night. It was January 1974. We're in a neighborhood riding our bikes. And what did your companion say about now, it? Any, <laughs> we, didn't, we just looked at each other like, what just happened? You know, it's like, we didn't know. If anybody could ever explain it to me, I'd like to know. But no, that's my paranormal experience. Awesome. <laughs> How odd. Thank you. And I, yeah, that was different. I, 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 have seen, I have seen ghosts, though. Oh, can I share a couple of stories? Okay. How about you pick the best one? Um, well, it, it, down at March Air Force Base in Riverside, they have a C-141 that brought troops back from Vietnam and the Middle East, and we sleep there. When I go down to work on the airplanes, we sleep in there sometimes in different airplanes. And, you, and one night I woke up and I could hear guys talking and like troops marching along the airplane. And I was the only one that heard it. There were four, four of us in there, and three of the, of the four of us heard it. Did anybody look to see what and was going then, on outside? It was dark. It was the middle of the night. All you could hear is the 215 freeway, you know, freeway cars going by. Nobody okay, else so was there. Help me understand the supernatural aspect of this better, because I wasn't there, and I'm not familiar with the situation. I have, I have one where I've seen apparitions there, though. I have seen ghosts, actually. When I was sleeping in the B-17, this, then this B-17 did see combat. And so I was sleeping in the B-17, and this guy came up and walked over me a couple of times, couple of, two nights in a row. This thing looked like an airman walked right over me when I was sleeping. In the, and there's also... A woman and two children. That died wait, 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 I'm sorry. Um, I apologize. But can you take me back to the story? Uh, why is that supernatural to have an airman walk over you while you're sleeping two nights in succession? Well, it's a ghost. It was some kind of an apparition. How do you know it wasn't a real person? This is the point I'm, I'm laboring toward. <laughs> there wasn't anybody in the airplane but me. Ah, I saw this apparition like just right in front of me and he walked right over me one night. Well, two nights in a row. What did you do on the third night? Well, the third, the, well, another night I was sleeping in the trailer down there and there was a mother and t- a, fa- a son and a daughter that died during the influenza epidemic at a farm down there and where the blue hanger is is where the farmhouse was. And the little boy and the little girl, two or three times now, tried to talk to me. They appear to me at night, and they try to say something to me. I can't hear them, but I can see their lips moving. Wait, this is ongoing right now? This happened in March. Well, when was that? I think April was last time I was down there, yeah. Does that mean the, mo- yeah, the most recent time? It's ago. only when you're down there that it happens. Oh, no, I... It's happened other places I've been. Well, uh, they we're at you? Castle in Atwater. No, this is somebody else appeared to me up there. And one of the airplanes up there I was sleeping in, and somebody else appeared to me. You I got to quit sleeping in these airplanes. <laughs> Pardon? You got to quit sleeping in these airplanes. <laughs> Get a hotel room. <laughs> well, but they also appear to me up 
they also appear to me outside when we're sleeping on the ground, even. I've had apparitions come. It's yeah, obvious that you have a great deal more experience with seeing ghosts and apparitions than the average person, such as myself. What do you attribute that yeah. to? Why do you think it is that you see these ghosts uh, in such abundance? Comparatively? I've had this just my whole life. I, I've had this just my whole life. I see things before they happen, and I've seen apparitions before they happen. I mean, you know, appear to me. And I just think, I don't know what's going on. But all I know is it happens. Okay. Um, well, hopefully you will allow, if you can, I, those children, those apparition children, I think you mentioned, to communicate whatever message it is they have to you so you can know what it is they want to say. See, and I know I'm not the only one that's seen them down there because other people, well, they have a ghost night at, at March Air Museum a couple of times a year, and I went down for that one night, and three or four of us had experiences that night down there so well i want you to know i'm not me. trying to register any disbelief in your story this is coast to coast i don't believe it you know if it hadn't happened to me i wouldn't believe it no but it has happened a few times i mean yeah. a number of times in my life all right so, well I, mean, I, I think that's fascinating and someone had commented that uh, maybe you are a medium and don't know it have you ever considered that that's a possibility. That's a possibility. My mother had this; could do the same thing. My mother could call me out in her brain. She could think my name, and I would hear her. And we, we were hundreds of miles apart, and I knew I needed to call her. So, wow. I know. Yeah, I don't know who you. I don't know how to call up to get it. training in being a medium, but maybe there's some kind of certification <laughs> board in your state. I can do remote viewing also. So, you know, I, I learned how to do that. How to I'm home sorry, what was that yeah. you can do also? Remote viewing. Remote viewing. Projects. Remote viewing. What's in my Do you need a rock and a hat? No, 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 no. You don't no. need any tools. I don't no, suppose there's no. any way. All By the way, um, I just want you to know something, okay? I have something here, okay. and it's actually behind this right. this pad. Are are you a remote viewer such as you would be able to tell me what is on the front of this? The front of the, it's a comic book. It's a comic book. I'm guessing it's a comic book. Okay, but are you remote viewing oh, yeah, the comic book? The impression I'm getting is Spider-Man or something red. Okay. Red character. Okay, well, I'm going to turn this around very slowly so everybody can see I'm not monkeying with anything. I'm not I'm doing excited. a magic trick. But this is what it is. See, it's two cats playing in a, on a pumpkin. Maybe you're not enough oh, well, of a believer, Arthur. I was just wondering, yeah. what I do you have, do, Gilbriel? It's the Mask of the Red Death. Oh, here we go. No, by the way, can I just tell you something about this? Is this is I this is actually orange is, orange is a close relation of red. Well, yeah, because it's mixed with yellow, right? 
Okay, so here we go. Here's the kitty cats. This is an actual decoration that I got at the Hallmark store 50 years ago this month in 1973 in Oxnard, California. There were several of them, and this is the one that has survived. Yes, and this will be in the next Spider-Man movie. These two little cute kittens playing around. The <laughs> that will be in the climax of the movie. So, um, but, but yeah, so this is something that's very meaningful. It was very meaningful to me at the time. I just thought this was so adorable, even as a 13-year-old. When you're not supposed to, you know, like things like that. Of course, I didn't tell my friends about it. But all the different cute little kitties, and I just thought it was so Halloween-y. And I want to tell you something now. Having told you that story, I will also tell you the story that I kind of just pulled to Jeffrey Holland. Because this is actually not the very copy of this Hallmark decoration that I'm holding in my hands, the leaf turned down. This is actually one that I bought at an outrageous price, I've got to tell you, at a local antique store. When I was in there last year and just looking around, and I saw this, and I went, oh my gosh, there it is. That's the one. Okay. Well, thank you so much for calling. This has been Thanks, great man. fun. I appreciate it. And I want to wish <laughs> you a happy Halloween. I'm curious about the remote viewing, if that's something that has happened for you randomly or if oh, it's something I, I that you've tried to do. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it, we'll give someone else a chance. All good. What we do know is that he was 0 for 1. That's all we can speak to is the anecdotal evidence. And by the way, I've got to tell you, I wasn't trying to trick. I wasn't trying to trick. But I saw when he started talking about a comic book, I saw, yeah, this could look like the back of a comic book. This is the packaging that I, that I got it in, though. It's not a comic book uh, size exactly. So I wasn't trying to trick anybody. If you would have turned that around and that would have been Spider-Man or a red character, I would have. I wanted I to get something so bad just to get up in there. You know, take it out of the camera for a second. Yeah. Spider-Man. We've got two more calls and we'll try to try to squeeze these in. Uh, first one, what's the, what's the name caller? Hello, this is Suzette. Suzette, welcome to Suzette. Coast, Coast EM. Hello, Suzette. Hi. <laughs> I'll hey bet guys, you've got I a ton of stories Halloween you could tell story. us. I want to hear it. Oh, yeah. I do have a lot, but I'm going to tell a Mormon story. This is Girls Camp. Mm. So, and it's not a prison story, although they're ghosts in prison, so that'll be a different day. But this is, this, is a, this is a Girls Camp story, and this is two, the year 2000. I'm 30 years old. I'm there with my sister. So there's another person that witnessed this and continues. My sister does not look like that, Bill, but it's still a spooky story. So we, uh, my sister and I are in charge of fourth years at girls camp. And they're up at the fourth year um, campsite. There are three big canvas tents in a semicircle and a big fire pit. And myself, my sister, and about 15 of these girls are working on our skit for that night. We're around the picnic tables uh, working on the skit. And as we're working on our skit, we hear a blood-curdling scream coming from inside one of the tents. And we were so shocked, nobody moved. We just sat there. And then we heard it again, blood-curdling, high-pitched scream. So my sister and I, we look at the girls, we're like, stay here, which they did not obey. But we walked over to the tent and we pulled back the flaps and all we could see was a thick 
inky blackness. And we peeked in. We were actually a little nervous to even go in because we could feel this like dark blackness. We look in and there's another leader. One of the other leaders was lying on the floor screaming bloody murder. And all the girls had gathered around. And so my sister and I step inside. We like as if we're stepping into like an actual like dense air. And we kneel down and I look at my sister. She looks at me and my sister said, I don't think we should touch her. And she's got these wild eyes and she's looking at us. And I thought she actually might like grab us or scratch us or bite us or something. But the girls ran down the hill to get the other leaders. And we touched her. We said, are you okay? And she says, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. By then the other leaders had arrived and we pulled her body, like pulled her out of the tent into the light. There's no priesthood anywhere except for the priesthood the women had in our own hands. And we blessed her and we cast out the demon. There you go. Happened at girls camp. Was the it last was demon saw... casting by a group of faithful Mormon women. Was the last you saw of this blackness, this inky blackness, was that in the tent or did you see it afterward and outside the tent? It stayed in the tent. Did anybody go sleep in that tent? Sorry, are you on a delay? The yeah, girls, the girls slept in the tent. They had to. Because you sure as hell weren't going to. Okay, now I'm freaking out a little bit. Yeah, I. So there you go. We've got some feedback. Out of Suzette, that's fantastic. Thank you for calling with that great story. All right. I think that more. shows why there has to be priesthood at girls' camp, and, and why wasn't... why women need to be supervised. But I guess why not? Because apparently, um, we can do it fine on our own. So yeah, now now well, I'm deep... suspicious why we really need the priesthood there all the time. But yeah. I guess maybe the yeah. the inky blackness wouldn't have shown up if there was um, a penis around. I'm sorry, somebody with the priesthood around. Well, the demon is saying, scream all you like. There's no priesthood within miles of here. All right. We've got God just uh, leave, when women are alone, God just lets them, uh, you know, uh, get possessed be by demons. Subject to demons. <laughs> Let me tell you, if the priesthood had been there, that demon would not have shown. Mm. Yep. There you go. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Caller, what's the, what's the name? Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's the name, my friend? Uh, my name is Shane. Shane, welcome to Mormonism Live. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM. What uh, What's the story you've got, my friend? Uh, man, thanks for having me on the show. I'm a huge fan of you guys and, and Maven, you too. Um, this, is a, this is a mission story. Excellent. Drum roll, please. Uh, I served in Brazil. Drum roll, that's great. I served in Brazil, and... Uh, when I went out, there's I, South America is known for, at least in my opinion, is known for very supernatural things happening. People are somewhat superstitious in Brazil. And as I was there, I was about six months into my mission, and this was my first area I'd ever been in. 
and I was picking up the language okay. And one night, my companion and I, we were walking up the street. It was a long day. We had decided to fast all day long. And so we walked up the street. We walked up to the very top of the hill. It was getting dark. It was about to the point where the missionary handbook says we have to go home. And so it's getting dark. And as we are walking up this hill, we get this distinct feeling that we should go to this house at the very crest of the hill. Mm. And in Brazil, you clap instead of knock because there's really no front doors. They're surrounded by a gate. So we clapped. And we didn't hear anything for a while. We stood. The feeling that we had both had was so, was so intense that we stood around for a while. And all of a sudden, out of the window, a woman pokes her head out. And again, it's getting dark. The woman pokes her head out. And she asks us who we are. So we say we're missionaries. And she invites us inside. Now, my companion and I, we had this distinct feeling as we were walking in. This is the second distinct feeling of the night. We had a distinct feeling that something was not right. And as we walked through the threshold of the door, it was as if we were covered in darkness, not literal darkness, but we felt an intense sadness and misery upon our souls. Both of us had this experience. And we walked through the door and they placed us on the, on the couch. There's a couch in the center room. Mm-hmm. Ooh, hold on a minute. For some reason, it jumped off. This woman, her name was uh, Alia, was her name. And not to dox her. I don't think she'll watch this probably. But she invited us to sit on the couch. And they both pulled rocking chairs right in front of us, a few feet in front of us. And they sat down on the rocking chairs and just rocked back and forward. And didn't say anything. Just looked at us and rocked. And my companion and I were quite freaked out. Understandably, this was a creepy thing that was happening. And we asked why they invited us in. This is something we're supposed to do is ask why they invited us in. We hope, of course, that they say we invited you in because we would like to be baptized tomorrow or very soon. And so we sat there, we were hoping for this, but they did not say this. They said, one of, one of them did not speak. In fact, she had wide eyes as she was rocking, but the other sister, she spoke and she said, there has been a presence in our home. And of course, this is in Portuguese. But uh, in English, we, there's been a presence in our home. And we said, okay. And, and we, were one, we asked what was the presence, what was happening. And she said, there's been an evil presence. He defined the presence as a shadow in the home. And my companion and I were very intrigued by this. As you know, righteous missionaries, somewhat righteous, we had the knowledge that, of course, demons can come into homes Satan has power over these things. And so we sat and, and they were rocking and we were listening to them. We heard them tell the story of this demon. The demon, they didn't describe it as a demon, but a shadow. The shadow was knocking plates over in the kitchen their whole day. And we thought, well, this is so strange. How odd. And as we were sitting there, we heard footsteps in the back room and a plate shatter. Now, this sounds made up. It totally does. But this, this did happen. The plate shattered. The footsteps, we were fasting for a while that day. So those may have been invented. But the, but the footsteps, I believe we heard. My companion and I both, after corroborating after this story, we both heard it. So we decided we would kneel to the ground. Uh, the, the missionary handbook is not specific about what, we, what you do in these scenarios. So we knelt to the ground. No, it's not, is it? And <laughs> I, they, have, they need no. to have a little uh, exercise entitled exorcism. 
I know they need one because it's so confusing. You know, you're, I had always heard about raising your arm to the square, but mm-hmm. uh, these women were, were very freaked out. I didn't want them to think I was going to hit them or anything. So uh, anyway, so we knelt to the ground. I figured I could raise my arm to the square then. But as we knelt, this is, this is one of the, the most freaky parts of this. As we knelt, the two women stood up, they went to the door, and they shut the door. Now, they had already shut the main door, but in front of the main door was a door of bars, metal bars, like, like on, a, on a jail cell. They shut it, and they locked it. And it was then that we noticed behind this, behind this, this uh, door was a stick, almost like a dowel rod with duct tape on the handle. And this was extremely weird getting locked into this, this, these women's, uh, this, these women, ha- their house, you know, and they have a, a stick, which looks like a weapon near the front door and they, and they lock the bars. And so we are getting very scared. Now I, I said the prayer, I said, you know, by the power of the priesthood, let this presence be gone. And I will tell you, nothing happened at all. Uh, not even a little bit. And we were, we felt no different. And the women were still very scared and we got up, we said, this is too freaky for us. So we got up and left and eventually we came back uh, because we thought maybe these people would be willing to be baptized. The, the one sister had never said a single word. She just kept rocking in her chair and they did not want to see us again. And that was, that was, that, that was that event. That would be terrifying. I to, especially like to have a door like that closed behind you. And yeah, I would just, I would, it would be like instant panic mode. Um, I'm glad nothing happened, but man. Like, yeah, I'm I telling for sure stories, get, but like, you know, murdered or molested scary. or something, but. But you didn't. How did the evening? Yeah, oh, yeah, it was intense. And, I'm well, sorry. we, so this is another creepy part. As we, as the, we, we left the house, you know, and, and they explained to us a little bit about their situation. They said they had been, this is a crazy part for 20 years. They had been trapped in their home by their father. Their father was, they called him an Arab, probably a Muslim. I don't exactly know what that means, but um, they, they, their father was extremely abusive. And for, for 20 years, they had, he had locked these girls in this, in this house. They were probably in their mid thirties and he locked them in the house and never let them outside. So neither of them could read, um, they were, they were very odd individuals. And so as they were telling us the story, my companion and I were thinking this, this is too weird. We got to get out of here. You know, we don't want to, first of all, I don't know what the rules are about being in, in a house with two women. I, I don't think that's actually allowed, but we, you know, maybe there's some special circumstances. So anyway, so we leave. I think that I think is in the handbook. Real. This is a, this is a very, I think it is in the handbook, but that's in the handbook, but casting out devils or not. Yeah. But so we, we uh, walked down the hill of their house and in Brazil, there is a, um, there's a religion. It's, it's a bit of a dark religion. There's some satanic elements. It's very much a religion of the occult. And we were walking down this hill and a few times, this was like a hill that we'd been down before, but it, this hill was, it was centered on, on an alley. So we were walking through the alley down the hill and over to our right, we see a, a mass of like white, cloth it looks like white cloth and so we walked over to the white cloth now this is just to end our crazy evening that we had and and we thought it was odd and it was on the ground is it hanging on the clothesline or something this white cloth no it was on the ground yeah it was in a pile on the ground and and we discovered it was a wedding dress 
that had been cut in seven pieces. And the wedding dress was, in, was just on the ground. It was kind of covered in some dirt. And next to it, I have a picture of this. Next to it was a chicken. And the chicken had both of its legs broken at odd angles. It was still alive. It just had broken legs at both angles. Its, its wings were bent in odd shapes. And this was, I asked my companion, he was a native of Brazil. And he told me that this was part of the ritual of the seven dresses that they do in, in this religion. I don't know how he knew this. I should probably be, I should probably know why he knew that. But he told me that it was a part of the ritual of the seven dresses, which is a, a ritual that, that one of the, this, one of these occult members would do in order to get married. And so that was what mm. that was. So it was just, a, it was a very creepy night. I've never mm. had a night like that since then. And that's, that's yeah. really, really weird, isn't it? I was thinking that maybe the chicken ran sideways to the rooster mafia or something. Maybe. Yep. Next to the horse Got his head. legs broken. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, caller. What a weird, weird night with these. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was Shane. That's Shane. So the bars, yeah. if Shane's I, not gone, I don't know, but the bars on the door then were part of what was left over from when the dad used to lock him up, I'm guessing. Yeah. Again, I did. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Well, no, it's okay. okay. I mean, all I, good things must come to an end and so much Shane. Of a, I have a mission story, like a little, I mean, it's not as much as that, but it, it is like, I guess a, a minor one, if that's okay for me to like jump on and share real quick. It, oh. It's just, oh. it was just a house. We're just, we're tracting like normal. Um, and there wasn't anything really weird or special about this particular house that this happened at, but we're at the door. We, we knocked the first time, you know, and you wait a while a little bit before you try the second knock. And it just seemed like out of nowhere, I had this rising sense of like panic and doom feeling like I, and at the time I, I was trying, I was struggling to determine it. Like, is this the Holy ghost? Cause like, I, I feel something just, bad or wrong or just it just was like dark and um but i thought uh you know maybe i'm i, I it's just me i'm being crazy i'm kind of psyching myself out for some reason i'm and i'm trying to look around and say like is there anything about this house that's maybe like giving me some creepy vibes or something and there wasn't it was a perfectly normal house and i i did know though like as, as in this time that we're waiting and i'm feeling this rising sense of like danger and panic i i know i'm not we're not going to knock a second time i'm not going to um, but as I'm standing there, I'm feeling the need, like we need to run, we need to flee. And so, uh, again, I'm just thinking this is just, I'm just being weird. I'm psyching myself out. But then my companion who was my trainee, I was training at the time. She says, I think we need to go. And I could tell in her like voice something. And I was like, yep. And we, I just, that was all the confirmation I needed that like, that this was the spirit warning us to get away from this house. And we just booked it. We didn't even finish that street or go to the next house. And, and like, I turned around to see is someone following us or something like that and there wasn't but it was just something that happened to both of us at the same time this just urgent need to like run away to flee this house to get the hell out of there and so we did we got in the car and uh, I think we drove around a little bit just kind of like processing that before I think we either went home for a break or, or picked a different neighborhood entirely and that's something I, I've thought about every once in a while just like what uh what did that what you know what what could have possibly have caused this kind of um yeah, I you know this because I know of the dread my, that was shared by both you and your companion yeah. at the same time and at the same house. Yeah, I thought I thought it was just me until she said something, and and she didn't say like I think we should go. I, she, she said like I have a feeling. I have a feeling we should leave, and you know of course that in Mormon speak that's yeah like I think the Holy Ghost is telling me telling us to get out, and yeah, so it, it was like the instant she said that I was just like yep, and we I, I don't know it's just. 
I still, I, I don't have an explanation for that. How of course, you, in my Bill? mind at the time, Bill? like yeah. this was probably a super dangerous person. So it was definitely the Holy Ghost that like saved us, you know, from being maybe kidnapped or murdered or something. But of course, on this side of things, I think, you know, that's, if that were true, there are many missionaries who are not spared from that fate. And I think, right. you know, these right. kinds of stories can be problematic if you, if you tend to think that way, that like, oh, that was, that was well, God saving well. me because I'm a missionary. Um, and they're not as righteous as you, Maven. They weren't as righteous right. as you. Which is a really terrible thing to insinuate about, you know, about things that happen to missionaries when they're out. That's a very sad thing. But anyway, that's that was my frame of mind. That was all I could really think of to explain it. Yeah, I've got no explanation. Yeah. What about you, Bill? I've got no explanation for it. Yeah. There are more um, things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy, Bill. I think there are a few mysteries out there. So uh, I, I think the moment you think you have everything figured out, you probably uh, don't realize your own blind spots. Um, we've got Barry Richens on the line, but I also want to mention too, RFM, I don't think at the beginning you ever shared your story. I did not, but it's too long. It's too complex. It's too late. And uh, you know something? Here's how I feel. I feel like this show is about I think you, you did that on purpose. <laughs> RFM. How about we no. let Barry give his and then you share yours? No, 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 no. Okay. People are going, I don't know what they're doing in the live chat. I don't Everybody's look at the live chat. It's off the story. screen, so I can't even see. What are they doing? Everybody's saying, RFM, we want to hear your story. Okay, freak. Okay, I'll do it. Let me do Barry Richens first, and then you can take us home. Barry. Barry Richens. Barry, how are you? By the way, I don't think I took a chance to plug her show. Oh, uh, Barry, on Mormonish with Lance. Brophy. Look at that. that There's is a delay. Name. And also on the... Uh, All right. I'm going to put him back on uh, in I the queue. I think I just did the time warp again. I'm going to put him back in the queue, and you can go ahead and uh, tell your story, and I'll check with Barry before it's over. All right. Go ahead, I was going to say, you go ahead and share your story, RFM. <laughs> I was waiting for Barry. What are well, you doing? I can try, here, I'll try again. Let's... Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. No, I, was still, I was still thinking about that try. weird delay. Barry, are you there? Three fields on the line, Bill. Four more phone calls on the line. Hello? So this should be... No, let's, let's have RFM. That's just not going well. <laughs> let's do the time warp again. I'm going to drop you, Barry. Sorry about that. <laughs> Good night, Barry. Okay, maybe you'll come back. Okay, so here we go. Everybody dim the lights. Hold hands. Here's the story. This is back when I was taking the missionary discussion. So this is back in June of 1978. I took the missionary discussions and was baptized within the span of 10 days. Yes, I was a golden investigator. I was the kind that the missionaries would go home at night and get on their knees and thank God for an investigator like me because I was totally going to get baptized. In fact, I started it off with asking my friend, what does it take to get baptized into your church? So yeah, I was a sure thing. Anyway. One day, one day, the missionaries are out there teaching. And, of course, I'm at my friend's house because that's, you know, that ups the chance of the baptism, right? When you learn about the gospel in the home of a friend. So that's where I was. And this was uh, in the afternoon. It was very overcast that day, though it was June. And there were these huge windows on the top floor of this duplex um, in Sumner, Washington. And they're teaching about the plan of salvation. And I'm sitting here. My friend Bruce is sitting here. The missionaries are opposite us. 
I'm listening, I'm intent, and all of a sudden, the power goes out, and the lights go off. And the room is filled with a light from the outside, which is an overcast kind of gray. And it was creepy. And I didn't look at my friend like, and he didn't look at me like that either. And after 10 seconds, and the missionaries didn't stop. <laughs> no, this is back in the day when you had it memorized, right? You got to keep it going. Otherwise, you can have trouble getting back on track if you get off. So the lights come back on. It continues. But I thought it was just kind of strange. It wasn't that strange. But after it's over, I start asking the missionaries, because I don't have any particular religious beliefs at this time. I've been kind of unscathed, except a few marks from the Jehovah's Witnesses. But I certainly have this idea that God exists, and they've just been teaching me about the third of the host of heaven that followed Satan and came down to the earth. And I was starting to wonder if they were teaching me that evil spirits were real. So after it was over and we had the closing prayer, I asked Elder Timothy Shanson, he could be in the audience tonight, if evil spirits were real. And Elder Shanson told me, oh yes, they're real and they're everywhere. And they are down here to tempt us and to try and get us to not follow Heavenly Father's plan. And then he was kind enough to give me a story. And his story was that one time when he was at his parents' house, he was sleeping downstairs, he was on the couch. Uh, maybe it wasn't his parents' house, but anyway, he's downstairs, he's on the couch, it's nighttime, it's dark, and in the downstairs, there's a kitchen just off the bedroom, he's the only one there, and he is awoken in the middle of the night by the sound of the pots and the pans banging together and making this deafening din, and it continues to go, and he jumps up, and he runs over, and he turns on the light, and he looks at the kitchen where all the pots and pans are, and there's nothing disturbed. All the cupboard doors are closed. He goes to open them. All the pots and pans are in their places. So that's the story he tells me. But he also tells me, if you ever get in trouble with an evil spirit, Radio Free Mormon, head for the bridge. No, actually, he said, <laughs> uphill, downdale, the horseman ever gaining on poor Ichabod. Oh, where was that bridge? No, he said, uh, you got to pray. And you got to pray in the name of Jesus and you just command him to leave because Jesus' name trumps all. They listen to that and they will obey. So this is what I'm left with. And I, I've already mentioned earlier what an active imagination I have as a child, even though I'm 18 now. Yeah, I still got it. So that night, that night, I go back home. I'm in my bedroom. I'm minding my own business. And it's getting later and later. Everybody in the house is asleep except for me. And I'm in my bed and I've got the covers up. And I think, here's what I think. I remember back to an old Jehovah's Witness booklet that I had obtained in 1972. And I think it was called The Truth That Leads to Everlasting Life. If the, you know, the, the nice blue one, if there's any J-Dubs watching, you'll know what I'm talking about. And in it, they had a section about evil spirits because they believe in them too. And they had this little line drawing. They had some illustrations throughout. It was just the line drawings. It was black and white. But the one picture that I never forgot, and this is five years later, the one picture I never forgot was of a guy who's sitting up in his bed at night and he's looking into the corner, the dark corner of his room. 
And the picture is from behind this guy who's sitting up in his bed and looking up at the corner. And from the corner in the darkness, looking back at this guy who's sitting up and staring at it are two glowing eyes. Okay. That's the picture that came back to me that night. And I had the sense that there was an evil presence in my room and that it seemed that spirits and darkness was swirling and flying all about. And here I am. I am scared to death that if I look up in that freaking corner, there's going to be two glowing eyes staring back at me. So I screw up all my courage and I force myself to look at that corner and there's no eyes staring back at me. And I go, oh, and I, I turn back, put my head on the pillow. And of course, then I think, well, what if they're there now? So I have to screw my courage up again and I have to go through this whole process over and over and over. It's ridiculous. So finally, I just put the covers up over my head. Yes, I'm 18 years old. I've just graduated from high school and I have scared myself into this frenzy where I'm under the covers and I'm rapidly suffocating myself. And then, and then I have to go to the bathroom. And I hold it as long as I can because I do not want to have to leave the safety such as it is of my bed and under the covers because I know, I know that as soon as I swing my feet over and plant those feet on the floor to get up to go to the bathroom, there are hands that are going to come out from under the bed and grab me around the ankles and pull me under. Yes, That's I know that. What? You just you go from the edge of the bed and just jump as far as close After to the door the as you can, and then yes. take off running. <laughs> Is that jump. what you did? That's so funny. I would have, <laughs> but the, the door was right there. Actually, I did. There wasn't any really distance. I just had to get up to get out. So well, I under finally, the bed, monsters can't follow you out of the room. So if you can jump through that doorway, it's kind of like the blanket. You are also safe. But then you gotta when you come back, you gotta do the same thing. I had no idea. I had no idea about this. Dang it. Them's the rules. Thresholds are important. <laughs> Passing them and blocking. Anyway, like bridges and door thresholds, any kind of threshold. Mirrors, especially. Regardless, regardless. Lord so is. I finally can't stand it anymore. And I just squeeze my eyes tight, grit my teeth. And that was shut and grit my teeth. Put my feet on the floor, ready to scream. And nothing happens. So I get up. I turn on the light, go out the door. Now, here's the deal, okay? This is on the second floor. My bedroom is here, right? My parents' bedroom door is right across. This is a dead end here on this side. I go down just a few steps and across the hall, there's the door to the bathroom. So I turn on the bathroom light. I'm still the only person who's up. And I'm doing my business there in the bathroom. And I'm somewhat upbraiding myself mentally for being such an idiot to allow my imagination to run away with me so much that I could get myself in such a dither. And I'm just about to finish. And all of a sudden, at the closed door to the bathroom and down low on the door, in the completely otherwise silent house, I hear three distinct sounds. Scratch, scratch, scratch. And I thought, that's unusual. So I finished up my business, which didn't take too long. And I got to the door. By the way, I'm also thinking in my head, I always want to think, what is the most rational thing here? 
Here's the most rational thing. The most rational thing is that there is a dog in the house, and it's a little toy Pekingese, and it's my mom's toy Pekingese, and I think that its name was Little Bit. Well, yeah, it's a little dog. So this dog had a habit of going to my mom and dad's room, which was just down the hallway on the same side as the bathroom, and if the door was closed but just ajar, and he wanted to go in and lie on the floor and curl up in his spot, one of his spots, he would scratch on it to push it open, and then he'd go in. And I was thinking, that's, I mean, that's the rational answer, right? It's the only answer, damn it. It's got to be the dog. <laughs> so I, I open the door to the bathroom, stick my head out into the lit hallway. I turned on all, all the lights as I went, believe me. <laughs> and I turn and look at the, look down to the left at the door. And I honestly cannot remember if it was closed. And that's a, and that's a huge detail because obviously if it's closed, he didn't open it and then close it behind himself. He's a dog. Um, but then I suddenly got this thought and the thought that came to me was that I knew that actually this dog little bit had a favorite place to curl up, to go to sleep. And that was at the bottom of the stairs on a little throw rug at the bottom. We were on the second floor. I walk quickly down the other direction of the hallway, make a left toward the front door, and look over the steps that go downstairs to my left. And sure enough, they're curled up and asleep at the bottom of the stairs on the throw rug. Was little bit. It was at that point, it was at that point I knew I needed to start praying. So I went back into the bedroom, got down on my knees, did what Elder Shanson said, said a prayer, name of Jesus, commanding the spirits to leave in his name. And suddenly the evil presence lifted and I was able to go to bed and get to sleep. And that's the story. Actually, we were still in the room. <laughs> and I swear to you that every word of what I have told you is true and actually happened. Yep, comment. You should hire out as a campfire ghost storyteller. Well, thank and you very much. Have, and that's why I wanted you to read my story because it would have sounded so much more awesomer. But he made he made me read it. Yeah, you did great. I love the oh, way wow. you read it. I think Bill needs to read it in his monster voice. Once upon a time, there was an evil man. Just tell a story. <laughs> so we have exhausted the phone lines and the computer yep. call-ins. Yep. yep. Oh my gosh, this has been so exciting for me. Uh, I love this time of year. I love the ghost stories. I love the audience, and I'm so happy that you were able to call in. So many of you, or computer in, or whatever it is you call it, when you actually show up on tonight special coast to coast episode now what is this just scary pictures what <laughs> sorry i don't I'm even just, think i want to know i'm just trying to find scary pictures and you know well you're freaking me out man <laughs> well that was the whole idea wasn't it to when i turn out the lights here i'm the only one in the building i'm just saying sorry. <laughs> all right well, I tell you what, uh, do you want to make an announcement about next week? Next week will be All Hallows Day. 
All Saints Day, November 1st, 2023. Bill Reel's in charge of the show. Any announcements, Bill? Uh, as of right now, we are planning on having Cody Brown from Sister Wives on, and uh, I'm super excited to have a chance to have a conversation with him here. So, The Cody Brown? The Cody Brown from the TV series Sister Wives. And so, folks, if you want to, uh, I'll put a post on Facebook. If you want to send some questions, things you would want us to ask him, we'd love to hear those and uh, should make for a fun night. I think so. Well, everybody, I want to wish all of you a very happy Halloween. Please hit like. Please hit subscribe. Do it now if you haven't done it already. Uh, hit like early. Hit like often. Although I think it only takes one. But if you can make comments, that's super too. I understand that that helps as well. And I want to thank everybody who donates to Mormonism Live. Your donations are so important to us. If you haven't made a donate, do that would be donation. If you haven't made a donation yet, please consider going to uh, Bill mormonismlive.org hitting the subscribe button making a uh, a donation there if you can make five dollars a month recurring donation that would make me have the happiest halloween ever that's all i'm mm, saying i love it all right so if everybody else is done i'm ready to close this baby out hearing no objection we'll see you next time everybody on mormonism live Happy Halloween.